If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And Midi can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. The following podcast is a W2M Network original production. Visit w2mnet.com for all of our other great podcasts, plus news, reviews, articles, and opinions from the worlds of wrestling, video games, football, and entertainment. Good evening, everyone. It is that time again. Welcome to latest edition of Inside the AFL. Alongside me, Eric Watkins, the faithful squid, we have Jordan Palacio. How you doing tonight, Jordan? Good, good, man, Eric. How you doing? Doing good. It, 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 it's a very quirky opening week, as yeah. we'll see that this could potentially be a very quirky season. So, starting off, going over the premier action... Washington winning the first hashtag Beltway Smackdown, beating Baltimore. <laughs> yeah, I'm, this is going to be a theme. It's going I'm to making, be. Yeah. I'm making it my mission for that to trend this season. Trust me on this one. Who was it? We talked. We talked to Mike Washington last week. He sounded on board with it. Good. The, the, the more, the better. And whenever I was tweeting about that game, I'm like, yes, this has got to be the thing. <laughs> Washington winning the inaugural edition 51-38 Friday night. And then on Saturday, in a bit of a back-and-forth one, Tampa Bay over Cleveland 46-40. to Yep. Now, with Washington and Baltimore, that looked like to be a classic tale of two halves. Eric Meyer starting off decent. And then getting even better through the game as he was finding connections with the brigade, and eh, not so much. Yeah, I think that once once Baltimore kind of made that that quarterback switch, then they started to kind of get things going offensively because Cartwright started the game, went two for seven for thirteen yards and a pick, and then once Carden. I, Carden, I'm assuming that's how you pronounce it, came in mm-hmm. with 21 for 33 for almost 200 yards. I mean, this, I think the Valor got out to, what, a 20 to nothing lead in this game? And, 27 and to nothing. 27, so even, even worse than I thought. Yeah, 27 to nothing. I mean, once you're down by four possessions, there's no coming back. Um, but Baltimore, like you said, like they kind of started to get things going, but it was a lot, a lot too little, a lot too late. And Washington... I don't know. I think Washington and especially Eric Meyer looked very, very good in this premier week of the Arena Football League season. Now, coming off of not being in not just the AFL, but not being in football in general for a good yeah. year and a half, 21-32, 237 yards, four touchdowns, not a single pick. That's about the best that you can ask for. And Again, with this defense going up this kind of a caliber quarterback who clearly doesn't miss a beat, there were some problems. But 
Shane Carden, I saw more life in that Baltimore offense once he came in and yeah. a bit of a sense of a potential dual threat on their hands. Not quite sure, but that's going to be something to keep an eye on. Yeah, I mean, I don't think there's any doubt going forward. I think I'd like to see Carden start this next game uh, against Cleveland this coming week. I think that, like you said, I mean, they just played with more life uh, with Carden under center. And, you know, I, I think Baltimore Baltimore is going to take them a little bit to get their first win. I think this was obvious. I mean, you would have not known that Washington was also an expansion team based off the way that they played coming into this game. With Baltimore, they they showed those growing pains. They showed that, hey, we're kind of the new kids on the block and that it's going to take some time. Now, as we start moving into the, the later parts of the season, I think this Baltimore team can pull it together and start playing more as a team. But right now, it's just a whole bunch of guys who, for the most part, haven't played together before and need to learn how to play with each other, especially when you have a rookie quarterback in there like Carden. Um, but, yeah, I think he's definitely the guy for them and uh, should be for the rest of the year. Absolutely. And, and we mentioned this as we were doing our preview. Washington's a team. They've been able to practice, get together, had their roster and everything decided yeah. months ahead in advance. Baltimore, they've been scrambling together. But, just putting through that sort of second-half effort, normally I would say, okay, they would have to wait a few weeks, but now I'm not so sure. They might be able to sneak one in within these first two, three games, and that would be a big momentum boost. Oh, yeah. I mean, absolutely. Like, I mean, I think I think they could definitely sneak one in uh, against a team like Cleveland this coming week. I don't I don't think it's going to happen, but would I be surprised that if it happened? I wouldn't be at all. Uh, I think that you know this Baltimore team, like I said, it's just it's just growing pains. It's just they need time to play with each other, and, and you know when you're down twenty-seven nothing, it's very easy to quit. And I don't think that that these guys did that. I think they played hard for all four quarters. And, and when you have a team like this with Coach Smith at the helm leading them into the charge every single week, I think that uh, they could absolutely maybe full turn in the beginning like they did this past week, but kind of climb themselves back to maybe a two and three, three and three record, given the the right amount of luck in there. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And at three and three, if they were to get at that point, then you're still good position as far as where you are in the playoffs. And if you're at 500 through the first half of the season, who knows? You could get to eight wins, maybe a ninth, and then have the chips fall where they may from there. Right. Right. Now, going over to the other side of the coin, our other game, Cleveland in Tampa Bay. Now, this one, I... Keeping an eye on Tampa Bay was a little curious about how Hippard would start. And admittedly, it was a bit flat, but again, didn't take long to get his timing down. Find Joe Hills, who had a tremendous night. Seven catches, 53 yards, three scores. Things seem to be clicking very well offensively. And defensively, as I predicted... Shane Boyd, he looked like he was 
a pretty competent backup who happened to be starting. A lot of well, miscommunication, yeah. some misthrows. Overall, statistically a decent night, but you combine that with a lot of a pressure that he faced thanks to that storm front line, and it wasn't pretty. Well, I mean, you, you nailed it right on the head. Shane Boyd looked like a competent backup because that's exactly what he was last season. He was the backup <laughs> for the Arizona Rattlers uh, behind Nick Davila. And he, he's a backup who got thrown into a starting job, thrown into the, this position to where now he is the main guy. And, you know, I don't. He, this is his first, like, real game. I take that back. Davila got hurt, I think, a year or two ago, and he had to start mm-hmm. three or four games for the Rattlers. Um, but this is, like, his first game being the guy. And the guy that they have to go to that, like it or not, the game's falling on his shoulders and whether or not he can make that throw to a Colin Taylor or a Brandon Tompkins. You know, that that's that's all on him. And I think, it, like like with Baltimore, I think it's just going to take some time because you have a guy like Hippiard on the other side of the field who was having maybe an NBC, MVP, excuse me, MVP season last year before getting hurt. Um, it, it, it is kind of intimidating. I mean, I would definitely be kind of nervous and intimidated going into that type of role. And I think that Shane, he's got the talent around him, especially when you have a guy like Colin Taylor who's catching your balls. But uh, I think I think it's definitely going to be a learning process. That doesn't mean that he can't get better. Like you said, statistically speaking, he had a pretty good night, threw for almost 300 yards, uh, mm-hmm. five touchdowns and one interception. Uh, it's just like those, those couple passes that could have been that weren't might have – been what kept Cleveland from winning this game. Now, in like just a few days leading up to this game, and we'll discuss this a bit more in depth later, we had the two real big surprises. Arvell Nelson being cut and then re-signed by the team, filling in for the injured Rayshon Kaiser. Going to be some big position changes and Initially, the fact that, okay, Nelson, who was developing into a really good, borderline fantastic quarterback last season, these moves happening with him, was that sort of behind-the-scenes factoring with Shane Boyd, or is he going to be able to try to tune this out? I, I I don't know. It's it would be interesting to see how much it kind of plays into his head because I mean it's a weird weird week for for Cleveland to cut a guy like Arvell Nelson who you said was kind of showing signs of becoming this next big quarterback in this league to oh now we're re-signing him but on the other side of the ball um, to replace one of the better corners in, in the Arena Football League. Um, I would hope that he's able to tune this out because, I mean, as a quarterback and as a player, what else can you really do? Because if you let all of this noise kind of get to you, then that's not that's never ever going to end up well uh, for you. It's never going to turn out to being a good thing. I don't know. What do you what do you think about this whole uh, Arvell Nelson situation? Uh, I think it was tricky because my big question: Why cut him in the first place? You right. had. A lot of injuries of quarterback last season, which put Nelson into that role. He thankfully stayed healthy, was able to develop, in turn, what could have been an ugly season into something extremely competitive. You don't know how it ended, playoffs, etc. And you're thinking, okay, he's the guy to help maybe get Cleveland, at least in a reasonable consideration, this season. 
then you decide to cut them, right. then what I would hope isn't a significantly terrible injury with Rayshon Kaiser. However, how the team decided to, how the team reacted to that, that's a bit of a bad sign. So you bring him back, but now you're switching him kind of back to a different position, which he was last season before you had to put him in at quarterback. So it's, I don't want to say this is like a Cleveland Browns type move because (laughs) historically the gladiators have shown they're better than that, but it's like, Yeah. yeah, there's some question marks on this one. Yeah. There's a whole, whole lot of question marks. I just, yeah, the, the whole cutting him and then resign. It just, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Uh, I, I guess it'll be, especially with how Shane Boyd plays, I think it'll mm-hmm. be interesting to see uh, what they do with Nelson. Uh, it'll be be interesting to see Nelson play another position. I don't know. We might, Nelson might start playing like what, Jack Linebacker, or not Jack Linebacker, but corner. We'll get him to kick a few balls in. I mean, he's pretty much played almost everywhere for this Cleveland team. The, the ultimate secret weapon. So we'll see about that one. Yeah. And. Going back with Tampa Bay, I noticed a trend, not just with Tampa Bay, but kind of going through the course of week one. Mm -hmm. Yes, it is an opening week. Yes, we're kind of going and developing a bit, getting timing and everything down, but still relatively low scoring. Could I pointed this out, the fact that with the talent among all five teams, you're not going to see a lot of 60, 70, 75 point performances as you have in seasons past. And with this week, you had one game, 86 total points, the other one, 89. Is this going to be more of what we should be getting used to? Or is this just uh, opening jitters? Well, I could give you what I think is probably going to happen and what I would rather. I mean, I think everyone would probably rather see a lot more scoring Mm -hmm. uh, just because that's the name of the game in the Arena Football League, and it makes for a lot better television and a lot better uh, viewing experience. Uh, But, no, I think think things are going to kind of die down a little bit. I don't think that we're going to – we're we're going to see any of any of those type games anymore. I don't think we're going to be seeing any of those 60, 70-point games uh, like like we used to back back in the day with these teams, I, I, like you said, I mean every team is so talented. Um, you know, we had Washington last week, who has one of the best receivers in the league, TT Tolliver, get outshined by Mike Washington, who I think caught for over a hundred yards, had a few touchdowns in that game. I mean, it's just things like that that there's so much talent where if you cover one guy, you know the second receiver the two the backup receiver i guess in quotes is just as good as the the first string receiver um but that, that goes for the same for the defensive side of the ball too and, and i think especially with a team like tampa bay who i know you're extremely high on coming into this year mm-hmm. uh, I, I think this is going to be a relatively not a relatively but this is going to be probably one of the most defensive league or one of the most defensive seasons in this league's history oh absolutely i mean if everybody just, I would say, if you're wondering, hey, what's happening to all the high-flying action, as you said, 
I would recommend people go back to some of the early days, some of the late 80s, all throughout the mid-90s, where you had a lot of burgeoning talent, but with so few teams, a lot of talent packed tightly together. You're going to get these kinds of games. Going to be extremely exciting, nevertheless, but at least for this season, maybe next season, who's to say unless something major happens, this is the kind of arena football that we're going to be seeing. I personally have no problem. That's just me. No, I mean, I think I think it's just all about the competitiveness. I mean, you look at that Tampa Bay-Cleveland game, it was back and forth game. I mean, oh, yeah. within within a touchdown, I mean, that's that's fun to watch. I think that's just the most important thing, you know, as long as, you know, we, we get a game like the Washington-Baltimore game, you tune out at halftime. I mean, did you really miss a whole lot? I mean, you miss you miss Carden play well the second half. But, I mean, other than that, you didn't – the game wasn't on the line to where in the other game, you know, one stop could mean a lot or a couple stops and the entire momentum of the game switches. So, no, I mean, it's just not about lining up the scoreboard. It's just about playing a good game. And, you know, as long as that's happening, I don't think anybody should be opposed to a more defensive arena football league. All right. Well, we're definitely going to see how this develops. I mean, I'm tuning in. I'm definitely preparing for a hell of a ride, and I think it's going to be great. So, now... If, it, if, if this first week's anything good, goodbye, go by, this is going to be, like we've been saying, one of the uh, more fun and how you said at the top, kind of more quirky uh, AFL seasons <laughs> this year. <laughs> okay, now going through so we can sort of put a bit of a bow on week one before we focus on potential storylines going into week two. What would you say was like a spotlight performance from these games? Ooh, I'd have to say the duo of Eric Meyer and Mike Washington. I think that was, to me, the big eyebrow raiser. Uh, Mike Washington, like I said earlier, 112 yards, three touchdowns, and Eric Meyer uh, threw for over 200 yards himself. I mean, that was the big surprise to me because, like I said, that Washington team has T.T. Tolliver, who is one of the best, maybe behind Joe Hills, one of the best receivers in the league right now. And the fact that Mike Washington, a guy who played for Arizona last year and didn't get a whole lot of, uh, not necessarily playing time, but not a whole lot of catches, not a whole lot of reps, um, I think it was a big kind of like make-your-mark performance, especially after the season that he had in China earlier in the year, earlier or late last year. Um, and then coming over and translating that immediately to a fantastic Week 1 start, I think that was the performance that caught my eye the most. All right. I have to agree with you for the most part, and I'm actually, even though, to credit, Lamarck Brown and Joe Hills creating a dynamic duo in Tampa Bay, I'm going to have to actually stick with Washington and Baltimore and go into the other side of the ball. Big play Reggie Gray, 12 catches, 139, and a touchdown. Now... Granted, he wasn't under necessarily the most ideal circumstances, especially in the first half. But knowing that he was there, a lot of 
tough plays, especially for the short routes, to get Carden more comfortable and then open it up for a lot of long bombs. So for, like, for example, 27-yard touchdown, a couple other big plays. I think having a veteran receiver like that, that's really going to help Baltimore, especially if Carden becomes a guy, be much more comfortable allowing him to settle in easier, find him as his number one guy. And that could be the performance very telling for how Baltimore does the rest of the season. Well, I mean, when you look at the the stats, Reggie Gray right now is the best receiver in all of the Arena Football League uh, with the stats that you just mentioned, 140 yards and a touchdown. I mean, he has the most receptions. He got 12 balls in that game uh, against Washington. I think he's the guy. He's the guy that the defense is. He might be maybe because he's one of a few uh, on that Baltimore team. He is the number one receiver uh, without question, and he's the guy that is going to be keyed on the most, I think, maybe in this this year, maybe except for Joe Hills. Um, but that being said, yeah, if the, they find the way to force him the ball, I mean, he just lives up to his name, and he's, he's big play Reggie Gray, and he made a lot of those big plays to kind of help, like you said, relax Carden. Um, so, yeah, I think Gray, as he was brought in to be, I mean, this was kind of the role that he was expected to be in when he was brought over to Baltimore. He is the integral part of that offense. And uh, I feel like in more games than most, or in more games than the, the minority, if he's having a bad game, then Baltimore's offense is probably a little bit shaky. But on the games where... He's really lining up. I think Baltimore's offense is going to be looking pretty good. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. And now these teams are saying, okay, we had to play him for him before. Now we're going to have to do take more of a Cleveland's defensive approach, take Tampa Bay's defensive approach, try to see if we can shut him down, and then go ahead and see now does this open up for us getting your card and, and I really want to see as we take a minute and sort of will in a little bit begin to preview we two's games how that's going to develop but before we do there was this one team that take, takes week one waiting in the wings just showed off getting their arena bowl wings for the Philadelphia soul now they're coming in defending champs, and with the structure of this season, how big of an advantage is it to get week one off, watch the other teams in action, and sort of begin to formulate your plans with some film? Oh, I mean, it's a, without question, it's a huge advantage just from a scouting point because you could have something different that, for example, Philadelphia is opening up their season uh, this Saturday against Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay has no idea what you're running this season, and you already got a game's worth of film on Tampa Bay. And what do they, what do they have on you? They got nothing except for the stuff from last season, but especially with all the stuff that happened in the offseason, last season and the way that the, the league was structured feels like it was a lot longer than, than what, a few months ago? Um, mm-hmm. So I just, 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 from a, just from a scouting standpoint, Philadelphia is already at a huge, huge advantage, along with getting an extra week of practice in. Not that they needed the extra reps, because for the most part, it's the same core group there. Um, but, you know, more reps is never a bad thing on the practice field. 
and, and I think it's gonna be it's gonna be a really really good game this coming week. Um, I'm, I'm gonna be looking forward to it. That that, that kind of high powered offense, that well rounded team, the defending champions with their bright and shiny rings against the team that uh, you like a lot heading into this year. Uh, it's gonna be it's gonna be a good game. Yeah, and kind of going into this preview a little bit, history, I'm going to admit, has not been kind to Tampa Bay. Lost their last five meetings, haven't won since June of 2014, and even that was a one-score game. I'm thinking, can this defense get any sort of pressure against the sole O-line to get to Rattleball like they were able to do with Shane Boyd. I want to say yes, but I'm going to be hesitant, even with how Alvin Ray Jackson was able to lock down as the Jack, Caesar Rayford, sack and a half, all kind, altogether the team had like four sacks on the night. I don't know if they're going to be able to repeat that good of a performance. Um, yeah, I think I think I'm definitely a lot more uh, pessimistic when it comes to this than, than you're going to be. I don't see them forcing uh, Rodabaugh as much as they forced Boyd uh, in in that first game. That doesn't mean they can't do it. I just don't see it happening. Mm-hmm. Uh, just just for the just for the sake that you know Rodabaugh. And this Philadelphia Soul team, A, are the defending champs, and B, like I've been saying from the preview, have these same, for the most part, these same guys. So there's no there's no nuances to the strategy. It's just muscle memory for these guys. And, you know, I, I think that while Tampa Bay is extremely talented on the defensive side of the ball, that I don't I don't think this this could be the X factor in this game. If they force Rodaball into not necessarily creating turnovers, but, you know, some of those miscues that they caused with Shane Boyd, then I think that Tampa Bay can easily find themselves in this game. But if they don't do that, then I'd say probably look out because uh, Dan Rodabaugh is coming. Oh, absolutely. And if I'm Tampa Bay and I'm looking at this game, I follow that exact template. Force Rodabaugh into bad timing, bad passes, and if you can get one maybe two stops in the first half. Try to capitalize on them, but at least get those stops. I think that at the very least you will be competitive, especially with how you're performing on offense. Now with special teams, they brought in Mark Lewis. He had a very iffy night, missing three extra points. That's going to be something of my X factor if you score especially if these points are going to continue to be at a premium, these kicks matter much more than they have the past few years. And this is kind of going back to early, mid-2000s, where kickers weren't necessarily automatic, and they kind of had to be. Yeah, I mean, I think that when you look at close games in the arena football game, it usually comes down to one of two things. The first one being is who had more stops, and the second one is who made more extra points. And, you know, like you, like you said, with, with the defenses playing how we both foresee them to be playing this year, you know, you could have a lot of two, three-point three games, three-point margins. 
and mm-hmm. you know a, a touchdown with a missed extra point could say that you know a team that could separate a team from winning or losing a game. Um, so I think that I think the kicking staff. I mean, it always seems no matter what kind of football really it is, it always seems to come down to uh, which team is playing better defense and which team is. Um, having a better night on the special teams side of the ball, and you know, and the Arena Football League, that's no different. Uh, I think that you know that's 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 an excellent X factor to look out for, and um, it's gonna be it'll be interesting. It'll be like I said, it'll be a great game to watch, especially if they can force Rodabaugh, if Table Bay can force Rodabaugh to to hurry some throws, if they can kind of knock him around a little bit, then it's gonna be a great game to watch. And uh, I, I'll be honest with you, I, I think Philadelphia is going to win, but I'm kind of pulling for Tampa Bay in this one. So am I. I see Philadelphia, even though they might not have all of their stars, we're following and keeping an eye on Jake Metz. Is he still going to be with the Bills? So that's going to be interesting to watch. But yeah, I see Philadelphia taking this one, but... Tampa Bay is going to make it a good game. And if we're down at that one-minute warning and it's within a possession, I wouldn't be surprised if Tampa Bay does what they did to Cleveland and holds on for a win. So who knows? This could be the start of something very big. Now, with Baltimore and Cleveland, both quarterbacks have got a lot to want to forget from week one, but they also have a lot that they can look forward to. Personally, I see Carden taking a bigger step forward than Boyd, and I think that could lead to, don't necessarily want to call it an upset, but that could lead to a franchise's first win. No. Real quick, before before we kind of get into this, let me ask you a question. Mm-hmm. Uh, both both quarterbacks, Boyd and Carden, both came up with the losses in their respective games. Who do you think had the better performance? You had Boyd, who, like we said, statistically played well, but missed a few passes. And you had Carden, who started the game off the bench and then came in. Who do you think, um, given the conditions that both the quarterbacks were given, uh, who do you think played the better game? Personally, I have to lean towards Carden because you highlighted it perfectly. Coming in off the bench, team's down 27 to nothing. They're throwing you to the wolves and say, okay, move this offense, generate something. Not saying, oh, we can still win this and putting it on his shoulders to win the game, but at least make it close. And he really did. From that point to where he came in, Baltimore outscored Washington 38-24. That's something to really hang your hat on. Boyd, he had came in, knew he was going to be the starter, knew he was going to be the guy, was able to prepare that way, and while he made some great throws, while he was able to find some open receivers, there was something that even when he had a clean pocket, there was just a little bit off. I think that's kind of been the... Now, I'm an Arizona guy, so there's a little bit of bias mm-hmm. here. I think that's kind of been the the Arizona Rattler backup quarterback MO. 
because before Shane Boyd, uh, Jason Murrieta would come into the games. And this is, I want to say, like 2012, 2013, during the uh, the Rattlers' three-peat time mm-hmm. frame. And Murrieta, especially with me, was known for one thing and one thing only, is that he could throw the deep ball really, really well. But uh, in terms of, like, touch passes and stuff like that, ooh, that's that's a little bit of a question mark. And, and in the past couple seasons, I think I've kind of seen the same the same with Boyd. He throws the ball extremely hard, and he could hit any spot on the field over 25 yards. He's got no problem, you know, heaving the ball down the field. It's just that on those little touch passes that a guy like Nick Davila for the Rattlers, for example, was so, so good at, it's just he didn't have the same type of finesse on the ball that a guy like Davila or a guy like Rodabaugh has. And, and that being said, I don't think you can really teach that. So I would, I mean, in responding to my own question, I think I'd have to definitely agree with you that Cardin basically pinch hit for the Baltimore Brigade uh, last week and played for how he was, for the situation that he was put into, played mm-hmm. extremely well. Oh, and, yes. Uh, I, you know, I'm, I'm with you 100%. I don't know... I don't know if they're going to win. I don't think that Baltimore is going to pull out the win. Um, but if, if their defense can play a little bit better this week and, and kind of limit the big scoring in the beginning of the game like they weren't able to do against Washington, if they can make that adjustment against Cleveland, I think we're going to have another really good game on our hands this week. I, hey, you hit it on the head. and I kind of want to play off of a point that you mentioned about Boyd and his throwing. Now, I know you mentioned that you can't necessarily teach working on those touch passes, and you're right about that, but what do you see is more likely to happen, especially in these first couple of weeks, if he's going to continue to be the starter? Do you see them trying to work with him more on that, or do you see a potential gradual change of their offensive strategy to play to his strengths? Ooh, that's a good question. I think that um, I, I think that they had the entire offseason to try and build up his touch passing, and I don't think that's happened to, to this point. I don't think that he's made um, that, I don't want to say that many improvements because it sounds like I'm kind of trashing on him and I'm not. I'm just saying that that's just not the strongest part of his game, which it isn't. Um, so that being said, you know, I think that that's what you have to do as a coach and as a coaching staff. You have to, you know, exploit the strengths of all your best players, all your key players, and there's no player that's more important than the quarterback. He's the guy that wins or loses the game for you usually based on the way he plays. Uh, you have to play to his strengths. Now, the problem with playing this strategy is if that long ball isn't connecting, then you're looking at a lot of third and tens, a lot Mm -hmm. of fourth and tens, a lot of fourth and fifteens, a lot of fourth and twelves, depending on how the first play in the series goes. So uh, it's it's a risky game, but uh, I think that's probably the way I see Cleveland going because you just can't teach that little that little lob over the linebacker right into the breadbasket of a receiver. You just can't teach that. And I don't think you can really adjust to it over the course of the season because that's just all timing and that's just all muscle memory. Um, And I don't know if Boyd is there yet. Well, from what I've seen, it's going to take something. Now, granted, they could do something of a 
nuclear option and really play with strengths and feature a more IFL-style run-heavy to try to get some hard guards and set up more deep balls, but clearly that's going to be even a bigger situation than to just tailor the AFL offense to a quarterback who can primarily throw deep. So with this, I would like to see how Baltimore plays it, wherever Maya Sony is going to be and who he's matching up against. And at the back of his mind, a quality DB like him is saying, okay, this is what the gladiators are doing. Let me see if I can throw an even bigger monkey wrench into these plans. Maybe get myself an interception or two. See what happens. Yeah, I think that um, the way that Coach Omar Smith for Baltimore kind of plays it. I mean, he's got he's got a guy like Virgil Gray on, on his coaching staff, a uh, legendary uh, DB in, in this arena football game. I think, you know, if they can. Like just it's just pretty much copy and paste exactly what Tampa Bay did last week because that that obviously proved to work. If they can force pressure, which let's see if they can, if they can force pressure on Boyd and make him uncomfortable in the pocket, then that might change the entire face of the game for Baltimore and then give a guy like Cardin and give a guy like Reggie Gray a chance to make some plays on the other side of the ball. Uh, I, I think that's basically. I mean, we're looking at the two games, and it's the underdog needing to force the uh, opposing quarterback, get him under pressure, which might be the X factor in the game for both games, in Tampa Bay's case and in Baltimore's case. Oh, agreed, because, again, Baltimore shows if they can at least do something, manage defense, force an occasional play, they could go out and win, especially now that they have something to build off of. I don't know if Cleveland can in this case. Personally, because of that, I want to pick Baltimore to win this game. Now, this is another one to where Cleveland wouldn't surprise me if they pulled it out, but they, in my mind, have a lot more question marks than the brigade do. See, the more this, this this episode has gone on, the more I've talked myself into wanting to pick Baltimore for this game. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, I don't. I, I just don't think I'm quite yer, there yet just because of the first half that I saw out of Baltimore. Now, granted, that wasn't, that wasn't mostly Cardin's fault. That wasn't Cardin's fault at all, the situation, the 27-0 deficit that they were in. Um, but I just, I just don't think – I think Cleveland has – um, a lot of their key guys left over, and um, I just that's what I'm seeing now. This this first game, this is going to be the game uh, being played in Baltimore, Baltimore's first home game. So it'll be interesting to see how many people that they pull into the stadium because Washington uh, what was it about fifteen thousand they said poured into the Verizon Center uh, for that first game. Um, so I, I I would love to see a crowd like that. I don't think that the building that they're playing in. Uh, is necessarily going to give them that many, but you know that doesn't mean that it can't feel very, very packed in and tight, um, which could be even a little bit more intimidating if the crowd's right on top of you. Um, no, I think in this game I still got to pick Cleveland uh, just for the fact that I think I trust 
their guys a little bit more. Um, but it's, it's just basically it's your prediction, just flip flop. If I if Baltimore wins this game, I would not be surprised at all. And I just I just see Cleveland in a close one, picking up the W and moving to one and one. Oh yeah, and with this, with like you said about with the valor and their attendance, fifteen five seventy nine, which for DC. I'm extra impressed just because of the competition, because of the time of year, because there's a lot to do. Leading in for things that are going on outside of the realm of football, it's a much more pleasant escape. And with Cleveland, this one is actually in Cleveland. It was originally scheduled for Saturday night, but because of Scheduling with the NBA playoffs, they moved this to Sunday afternoon at 3 o'clock. So that helps a little bit. This might help with Baltimore travel, and this may help get even more Gladiators fans into the game because even for their opener, they pulled almost 13,000. So I would hope that they get at least something close to that. You you foresee... Any more uh, schedule changes? If I put the over-under on total schedule changes at, what, let's say, at four? What do you got over-under on that? Um, given the early part of the season, I would probably have to go with the over. Especially, although Tampa Bay, the Lightning, missed out on the playoffs. You've got the Cavaliers, they're in it. You've got... The Capitals making a run, so a lot of their home games could easily be shifted around. So I would have to put that just a little bit over, simply because you've got those two teams and multiple dates and multiple teams in those cities still in and still playing. Yeah, I think I, I'd have to go with the uh, the over on that one too. I think I wonder if Cleveland how many of those they're going to be responsible for because I think the Cavaliers are uh, they're probably going to be in the playoffs for a little bit. They're probably going to be in the playoffs for a long time. Yeah, I- unless we forget, I would also have to see how the Cleveland Monsters are doing. Uh, they're defending Calder Cup champs. If they're set to make another playoff run, then whoo! <laughs> now. We mentioned this, and it's been kind of our theme when talking about the Gladiators with their moves this season to kind of put a bow on that. If Boyd at least matches his performance against Tampa Bay, is that enough to kind of fend someone like Arville Nelson off or fend off bringing in another quarterback or... Say another shaky night like that, win or lose, will the coaching staff start to think, okay, maybe this isn't working? Uh, um, well, you know, speculation being uh, what it is, I think that, well, first off, if they do get the win, unless he gets hurt, if they get the win, it's going to take a little bit of the heat off his shoulders no matter what. Um, I think the most important thing for Boyd is just some type of constant improvement. He kind of set the bar for him. I mean, there's no shame in losing to a team like Tampa Bay, especially mm-hmm. this season. Um, mm-hmm. It was a close, closely contested game. Um, but now this week against, against a team like Baltimore, who had a shaky first half, who defensively in the first half uh, was scrambled, 
uh, by Washington's offense. I think that's that's a big thing for him to key on. If he can't really take advantage of the first half scoring that Washington was able to exploit, then I think there's definitely going to be questions. And with a guy like Arvell Nelson, who in practice he's playing against, I think, yeah, we're, we're looking at a very, very interesting situation. Um, it, uh, for Boyd, I just need to see some constant improvements, just, just stuff that he's worked on or just feeling like he's getting better as the weeks go on. Because like, like I said, this is his first season as the guy. This is the first season where he knew going in, okay, I'm the starting quarterback. I'm responsible for 60 minutes of the game, and it's on me to go out there and, and win the game for my team. So, I mean, that's, that's a lot to adjust to, and it's just a learning process. And as long as he's making those strides, and I'd say the first uh, three or four games in the season, then I think he's going to be fine. But if he starts regressing, uh, then I think Arvell uh, might be getting the call to come onto the other side of the field in practice. Oh, absolutely. And I, again, I'm going to lean and agree with you because there's clearly enough room for improvement to where he doesn't have to be perfect against Baltimore. But at the same time, if he can do those little things like better response to pressure, scrambling, not holding to the, onto the ball as long, if he can do more and more of those things, then you wouldn't be able to necessarily blame him if, at a worst-case scenario, they do start 0-2 because, yes, he's showing he can lead you to, at some point, winning a game, going on a run, and doing something. But he starts taking more steps backwards, and he can't quite figure out these defenses like he should be able to, then yes, the quirkiness for the Gladiators, it's going to get even worse, because now they're going to want and possibly need Arville Nelson to come back to being quarterback, then you've got to do even more shuffling defensive side of the ball, offense, try to cooperate and go around that. Yeah, I think I think that in terms of, of this week, it's just it's just gonna be a fun week to watch. I mean, these are the kind of the storylines heading in. Uh, you know, I think Baltimore's game plan for, for Boyd is quite clear and it's something that we've already kind of touched on. It's just that you have to force pressure. I don't think that Baltimore has the, the pass rushers that Tampa Bay does, so it's going to be a little bit harder uh, for them to force that pressure. Um, but that, that's just the game plan going in, and it's always going to be until uh, Boyd can make adjustments because you know the best quarterbacks are, the, are their best when they are under pressure. And you know, just because that you, you bring, you have, they're getting hit around, uh, that doesn't really affect their game all that much. And Boyd just not at that point yet to where if he feels uncomfortable, he can kind of panic and force a ball or misplace a ball to where it, it's not supposed to go. So un, until then, you know, I think it's just, you know, bring the house. And if you get to him, there's a good chance that A, it's going to fall to the ground or B, you might be looking at a good chance to get an interception and create some points going the other way. Yep. And with a team like Baltimore, who's clearly hungry, I want to see what they'll do, but before we head out of here to for this week, we talked about spotlight performances week one. 
who are you looking out for specifically in week two? Well, hmm, this uh, this is a little bit. I think I think it's not going to really come as as a surprise. I'm looking at Carden for for Baltimore just to see if that second half performance that he put up against Washington was a fluke, or if that's going to be the way that he's going to be playing for the entire season. Because if it is, then Baltimore's looking like they could be a pretty good team. But if it's just a fluke, then we know it's just one of those flash in the pans. I mean, this is the game, I think, for him that he can really prove himself. This is his proving ground. If last week wasn't, then this week definitely is. And uh, I'm pulling for him. I'm not, I'm not going to make any bones about it. I'm pulling... I'm pulling for Shane Carden to have a good week and kind of cement himself as more than just the backup like he was originally slated to be. Just establish himself as, you know, if if he's the fifth best quarterback in a league of five, just be the closest to the fourth spot as he can be. I don't want there to be a huge gap between, you know, guys like Eric Meyer, Hippiard. Well, I mean, you have Shane Boyd in there. So, you know, even then, you know, he might not even be the fifth one, but at the time the season's over, if he's playing the way he's playing. Um, I just I just think for a guy like Carden, who has about as much experience in the indoor game as I do, um, it would be really, really cool for him to uh, have a good week this week and progress that into the rest of the season. Oh, absolutely. I love starting to see who the next stars are going to be. I really want to see if Carden can be one of those guys because he could with this season, with this improvement, really turn into the first franchise player for the brigade. And that would be huge on a lot of levels, especially since they're going to be on the road for their first few weeks. Having someone like him, if he can keep this up into their home opener May 7th, that would be tremendous. And for me... I'm going to cheat a little bit because I don't have a specific player, but I would love to see how the specifically the Philadelphia Soul receivers are going to react against that Tampa Bay defense. Are they going to, like Colin Taylor, find ways to get themselves open? Are they going to settle down and say, okay, we're going to take what they give us and make their secondary more of a nightmare. How are we going to be able to neutralize their pass rush? And I want to see how they help Rodaball out to try to give him a little bit of an easier night. Yeah, I think I think you make a good point. I mean, you guys, you, you got like guys like you know Sean Kalinamoku, uh, Ryan McDaniel, who last week we kind of talked about maybe he needs to kind of step up this season and have more of a big year. Uh, guys like uh, Money Reynolds, I, I think for for them that's going to be the big two, uh, the big three receivers. And Tampa Bay showed that they can they can hang with the talented guys. Um, but yeah, I think I think uh, against a defense like like Tampa Bay, uh, it's going to be very interesting to see uh, and very intriguing to see what the receiving core for Philadelphia is able to do. All right, well we're gonna. Get ready. Should be, like last week, another week of fantastic action in the Arena yeah. Football League. Oh, the fun's really going to begin now. <laughs> yeah, now that now that everybody's getting underway, uh, it should be fun. Eric, who do you got? Who are your picks this week? Who do you got? 
Oh, I am going to go. As much as I hate to do it, I got to pick Philadelphia simply mm-hmm. because they've got the preparation. They've got the guys. There's This is the first step to is now they want to defend their title. And I don't think Tampa Bay can repeat that magic. And for Sunday's game, I'm picking Baltimore. I think there's a lot to like about Carden. There's a lot to like about how he can hook up and who he can develop in this offense. And Boyd's got a little bit of work to do. Yeah, I mean, you and I, we we do have one different pick, and I think we've already kind of touched on it. I think I got mm-hmm. Philadelphia in the first game um, without much question. I think that they're just a little bit uh, too too talented right now. I think they are are the uh, the powerhouse of the league. But that being said, they should be getting everybody's best game. Um, so I think that that first game should be uh, a big, big slugfest between uh, the two big giants of the league. And then in, in Sunday's game, I got a coin flip. It's a coin flip game for me. Uh, I have Cleveland picking up the win, and they're at home. Um, and that just that by itself might be the difference. Uh, but, yeah, I think, I think Boyd at home hopefully can kind of calm himself down and get more – into more familiar with that starting position, um, but like like we said, uh, there's a lot to like about Carden and uh, big play Reggie Gray over there for Baltimore. But in a coin flip, and probably I'd say the spread on this game. I'm not sure what the official spread is, but I'd probably say three or less, maybe. Um, but yeah, I probably have to go. I have to go with Cleveland on this one. Okay, I'm actually going to take a second while I'm here. Look up these lines if they have it. Okay, they don't have it here. I would be inspired to do all of this just as we're getting ready to head out. But if anything, you can follow me on Twitter at Squid Sportshead. I'll be tweeting them out. And we will get forward to sit down and watch another great week of AFL games. Yeah, looking forward to it. It's been, been a good week one. I think it's going to be shaping up to be even a, a better week two. Yep, week two, the bar has been set. And as you said, now with Philadelphia getting in, we will truly see. With that said, I'm Eric Watkins with Doran Palacio. Stephen Ur should be back with us next week. But until then, this has been Inside the AFL. The following podcast is a W2M Network original production. Visit W2Mnet.com for all of our other great podcasts, plus news, reviews, articles, and opinions from the worlds of wrestling, video games, football, and entertainment. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, achy joints, weight gain. Maybe you're thinking they're all just part of getting older. Or that's what your doctor tells you. But Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all be connected. Hormonal changes that happen during perimenopause and menopause are at the root of dozens of symptoms women experience, not just hot flashes. MIDI specializes in compassionate care for women in menopause. Their solutions are safe, effective, and FDA-approved. Plus, they're covered by insurance. A convenient telehealth visit with a MIDI clinician can be your first step to getting personalized care. They'll tailor a treatment plan for your symptoms and health history so you can get back to feeling great. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. When your body changes, your care should too. 
Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com.